Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful. Very grateful for our, uh, our eagerness to know you. Wherever stage we are in, in our pursuit of you, we'd ask that we would go forward, encouraging those behind us and ahead of us. The knowledge of your Son. Help us today be what we need. In your Son's name, amen. This is the last three verses of Romans. Um, let me, it's easier to back up and tell you how this happened. You see on the left hand side, Ephesians 3.14. I was at a wedding yesterday, and I know that I am closely related in many ways to the people getting married. The connects, the bakers, and everyone else. I had to be there. And weddings are just awful. And, uh, it sounds like an excuse coming up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was looking for anything to lay my hand to that might redeem the time. I mean, friends were getting married, so well, good for them. They could have done that at the courthouse without bothering me. But the father of the groom, Charlie, Charlie Baker, his wife, Patty, was Leslie's roommate when Leslie moved to town in the late 70s. So we go way back. He had his closing prayer, and in it he quoted this passage. Now listen to this. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Well, I was listening to that, or the portions of phrasing that was echoing that. So that sounds like just wonderful stuff. Look at all the contents. Well, it's a benediction there in the middle of Ephesians. And uh, so I looked at it this morning, hoping to, you know, score an easy Bible, uh, prayer, uh, what's it called, sermon out of it. And I just taught on it the first sermon this year. So it was just two reasons, two reasons. But it made me start to think about how Paul said things when he wanted sort of to poetically declare the greatness of what we're about. And I, years ago, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, I preached on benedictions. And um, so I was looking at those in the New Testament, the idea of where Paul sort of sums up in a artful way, what you should feel and be thinking. And the one in Romans, because it's at the end of a chapter in Romans that no one has a theological fight about, so no one ever goes to it. Romans 16 is a bunch of, hi, say hi to the friends, say hi to these guys, oh, benediction. I had never taught out of Romans 16 in, the, in church. 
I'd gone through all of Romans and skipped over Romans 16. So I was reading this, and it had those more simply stated elements, you see there in verse 25 of Romans 16, able to strengthen. The same thought was that you may be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man in the Ephesians passage. So I settled on this Romans 16 passage and started to break it apart. First off, I said, Romans is one of those books. The Christian church, you can hear the switchblades click out whenever Romans is mentioned. Because Christians will fight the good fight over Romans. It's full of proof texts for every viewpoint available. It's a brilliant uh, message if we pay attention to it. But let's just say, simply, that the book of Romans is, for the first 11 chapters, is for you to understand how the doctrine of faith in Jesus Christ answers all men's need for election. Whatever you think election's like, whatever you think faith comes from, but he says you need faith, all men, whole world, Jew and Gentile alike, and that's what he's arguing, the whys and wherefores of that Circumstance. And in chapter 12, he gets to the end of that, you might say, lesson, answering what the Romans needed to hear. Then he starts talking to them about the Christian ethical, very tidy summing up of Christian ethics. Now, then he gets to the end. And this admonishment in the benediction is in front of us. As I broke, the reason I broke it apart like this and set it up, it's not really a poem, nor is it centered in the original Greek. But I wanted to break the lines apart so that you would see what Paul's doing. Because you could read through this and not see what Paul's seeing. Because the sentence is like much of Paul, run on. First off, we're going to break this in the biggest possible way. Verse 25 of chapter 16. Now to him, that's standard benedictive, now to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you, you know, it's a, it's a dressing, putting yourself before the Lord. Now to him, be glory, verse 27, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. That is the sentence. All the rest are clauses. Asides. Now to him be glory forevermore through Christ Jesus. So I want you to keep that sentence in front of you. Because as you step aside, you see what Paul thinks is the glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. He's been arguing what Christianity is both theologically about salvation and practically about the ethics of the believer. So what does he say that we are presenting before Jesus Christ for his glory? You'll notice the only three things I bolded, he says according to three times. Now to him who is able to strengthen you 
according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret for long ages, but is now disclosed and through the prophetic writings is made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore, through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, remember the sentence. To him be the glory. To him be the glory. He has the ability to strengthen you. Okay? Now, let's just assume we need direction in our lives. Let's just assume you don't know what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. And unless some big people helped us, we couldn't pull our pants out. We had to have someone train us, train us not to pee in our pants. We're not really, we're not amazing creatures in many ways. Now we are trainable, as little Lisa is finding out. We are trainable, but we're really functionally retarded starting out. And we don't get that far. You have met people who choose to do meth, who choose to vote Democrat. I mean, they didn't associate those two things, but become a vegan, whatever you want to call it. Eat kale. People make choices. We'd like to know what will strengthen us. Have you ever faced some, you know you know you got a problem, you wish you could get some advice? If you don't just get advice because somebody, one of your friends is going to tell you, well, quit doing that. Well, I don't know how. I don't have the strength. It says our God is able to strengthen us. But it doesn't tell you what that strength is. But it tells you where it's found, what it's wrapped in. It's according to three things. Right? According to my gospel, according to the revelation of the mystery, according to the command of the eternal God. That's what his ability to strengthen you, where it sits. Now, not only, you know, a lot of this could change depending on your translation and how they word it. So I'm not going to say this is, what I'm telling you is, is the inspired parsing of the sentence. Because I know there are other options. But as I was looking at this, not only do I see, now to him, last verse, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. That's the essential sentence. But there's a secondary sentence who is able to strengthen you, end of verse 26, to bring about the obedience of faith. Because the three accordances that you are strengthened in, able to strengthen me according, 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 to bring about the obedience of faith. Now, it seems like that's what Paul has been about in this book. The nature of faith, or the nature of the obedience. The nature of what it is to be a Christian, and what it is to live like a Christian. The uh, things that we need to look at here is the three accordances. You know, you say, okay, I got it. The glory of God 
strengthening me according to these three things that I might live the holy life, obedient to the faith I have. What are these three things? According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. When you sit and and think with the word, you should be, one, enough in the word in your reading that other passages spring to mind. Okay? That if you're not having, if you're only having quotes from Monty Python spring to mind, you're blessed, but not adequately. Okay? You need to also have scripture spring to mind. What would you say when Paul says, my gospel? Does there something spring to mind? Don't look at the notes. Don't look at the notes. Yeah, too late. Galatians 1, right? You know what Galatians 1? I have one in my Bible here. I know that this church has trained people not to bring their Bibles to the we have the sermon notes. Verse 6 of chapter 1. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you to in, the, in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I, now, I say now again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you received, let him be accursed. Paul is very strict about the gospel that he was preaching. He had received it not from men. He had received it from the Lord. He then checked it out with the apostles in Jerusalem, said, lest he be preaching in vain. But when he says, my gospel, we're not thinking of 2,000 years of Christian tradition surrounding the word. He is, he is affirming something actual in the moment of his ministry to people regarding what he was teaching. The preaching of Jesus Christ and the gospel he was laying out, the good news. And this gospel, when he says in chapter 3 of Galatians, that drawing people away from the gospel is full-time work for whatever you conceive the powers of darkness to be. Now there's also the powers of stupid. There's not, there are powers of darkness and I, I picture them as the Balrog. Uh, doing, having a bad motivation to do bad things to you. And so bad teachers or bad magicians or whoever are coming through your life and, and leading you astray and telling you to believe things that are not true. But then there's the, uh, the powers of stupid. Um, now when, when the, uh, and we're a small group this morning. Um, we're never a big group, but we're a small group this morning. And if you took an interview around the room of what did you mean by the gospel, I was talking to a young man a few week, couple weeks ago and asked, he said, I, I've become a Christian since the last time we talked. I said, what kind? Personal or religious? Oh, I don't know, he said. You don't know? At least tell me what you, you know, think you're saying when you became a Christian. 
The closest thing he had to Christian in his mind was he wasn't a materialist anymore. Wasn't a materialist anymore, which is progress. Progress. But it wasn't the gospel. And then people, because you're living in a Christianized world through many centuries, accept whatever the traditions of men say is the gospel. What is Paul's gospel? What is the message of faith that he preaches? Now what's interesting here is the according to's, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, and he says, and according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret for long ages. That sounds pretty, wow. It's not just a revival preacher preaching a Billy Graham gospel and you walk the aisle and go down front and believe. That's one way of going through an experience with the gospel. You don't think Paul may have done that, but he's still going to be preaching the message of faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins based on the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it's also the revelation of the mystery it's according to this. We've forgotten this part. We've forgotten because we're all Gentiles. We've forgotten this. According to the mystery, which was kept secret for long ages. Oh. Treasure bag. But is now disclosed, so it's no longer a secret, and through the prophetic writings is made known to all nations. So it's, it's broadcast. It's out there. Everyone gets this. What is it? This is why we have a Bible. Ephesians 3, the no longer secret mystery. For this reason, I, Paul, this is earlier in chapter 3, before the benediction. I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, he's going to tell you what the mystery is. That is how the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. When Paul's gospel is preached, when the gospel is preached initially, Jews heard it. Disciples heard it. Preaching to other Jews from around the world. When somebody preached to the Samaritans, it got to be a little dicey. When someone preached to Cornelius, it had to be checked out by the apostles. Done by an apostle. Ethiopian eunuch, same way. Then the church in Antioch, and the, and the dispersion of the, Jew, uh, the Jewish ministries two Gentile realms started preaching the gospel. Once they realized it was faith that saved. The message, the gospel preached was faith saves. The mystery is everyone through faith is elect. Everyone through faith is elect. It's now been disclosed. This is the mystery that's huge in a Pharisee's mind where you're, you're so pleased with yourself. You know, I, I might have some bad news for the church ere long. I've been receiving some physical tests. 
And I may find out that I have non-Scottishness. My dear children, bless them, bought me DNA tests through Ancestry.com. And I had to spit in a tube and send it to the Mormons in Sandy, Utah. So because the Mormons really care about my heritage, they want to baptize my ancestors. Uh, so who knows what I'll discover. The Wilsons may not be, they might be German Wilsons or Italian Wilsons, I don't know. So I'm readying myself for this bad news. Because you know I fly the Scottish flag outside my house, and you know that I look down on all of you that are not adequately Scottish. Kenny. <laughs> Slag boom. There's a few others. Uh, Con, you're not, you're not Scottish, are you? Actually, no, no, don't even know. <laughs> I'm not buying any of that. No, Frank isn't. There you go. We're a very diverse church. Led by a Scotsman. Now, that kind of thing, you know, you felt it. Tribalism, you like it, right? You find that if you're in a group of friends and you notice that three of you have the same color shirt on, somebody brings it up. We three have the same color shirt on. You don't have this color shirt on. Let's go to war. <laughs> That's the way humanity is. Can you imagine if it had been 1,400 years where God Almighty had said, you Jews, you're special. You're the elect people. Go back and read earlier in Romans. Romans 9 talks about to show you that it is not by human descent. It's by faith. Judaism is by human descent. The kingdom of heaven is not. This is a huge thing for a Pharisee who stopped on the road to Damascus and convinced that Jesus was the Christ. Once you're convinced, you step into this realm where election to salvation is available by faith. You notice how I put kind of both views in the same sentence? Election to salvation is available by faith. And then he says, according to the command of the eternal God. So he's got three accordances. One is, according to his gospel. Look at any teaching of Paul on the gospel. According to the mystery, which is the revelation this gospel applies to all men. And according to the command of God. Paul's push to the Romans that they be strengthened will be upheld by these things. That their strengthening would be to the obedience of faith. That part of the sentence is, is able to strengthen you to the, bring about the obedience of faith. That's obedience to the gospel and the obedience of a life in obedience to the faith you declare. When Paul in Acts, I think it's in Acts, um, Acts 26-ish. He's before Agrippa, St. Paul is. He says, Wherefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those at Damascus 
then at Jerusalem and throughout all the country of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and perform deeds worthy of their repentance. That was Paul's obedience to the command of God. It was a, his obedience was according to the command of God. Your obedience is according to the command of God. What does he say that in Acts 17 in, in um, Athens? The times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. So, your I want you to think about your strengthening. is not reading... You're not going to go find a book. There's some good books out there, and the making of them there is no end. Who are self-help books? They're talking about things to help you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and you might pick up some decent uh, understandings of yourself. But really, the glory of our God has been invoked to strengthen you to this end: the holy life, the obedient life, the responsive life in accordance with that gospel, that mystery, that you are even able to be saved at all. You're all Gentiles. Except for you, kid. And the command of God. This is what, this is what our glory in our God in Christ sits in. It's a nest you build for yourself that you become familiar with the gospel preached. Not the gospel that is just chatted about, but that you know if someone said to you, what must I do to be saved? You would know what to say. That it's the gospel that Paul preaches. Not the gospel that your Southern Baptist pastor preaches. They might be the same. They might not. Depends on what tradition things have gone through. Find out what the gospel is. Your strength hangs on it being in accordance with that. Look at the preaching of your Christ. And those who preached Christ to you. What were they preaching? What is the wonder of election for we Gentiles who were not called out before who are given it in Jesus Christ by faith? Don't turn that, just like you don't turn that back into legalism. You don't want to turn that back into, well, I was raised in the church. Remember, it's not by bodily descent. You can't have, in any way, inherited Christianity. This is the wonder of our gospel. It's a mystery that everybody reacted against. That's why Romans had to be written. That's why Galatians had to be written. That's why there were fights with Jewish Christians all the time. Because they did not like it. Don't go against this. Your, your own strength to be obedient to the faith, your own strength to be obedient to the faith is you keeping clear on what the gospel is, the effect it has on all men, and the command of God to believe it and repent. Now, It's a, uh, it's a simple delineation. Sometimes when someone writes something poetically, um, you ever read a Shakespearean sonnet? 14 lines. 
can read it off in a minute, less than a minute. And then it's the next three hours trying to figure out what he said. And, it's, and, and though it's, it's on the page. The verbs are just in odd places. But it's making it more and more beautiful. And beautiful statements in prose like this don't lack tracking. It's not like you've heard somebody who just started talking in God terms. Paul's saying something. If Paul is in error in some way, it's because he liked to always be saying something. And even when it is a heightened expression of be glory to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ, it's just a nice thing to say. It's not just, you know, have a nice day, God, or glory to God, or praise God, whatever it is. He's, he's conveying this in the middle, in the end of a thought. And if you want what he's offering, if you stop and say, I can, I can work this out. I have a computer. I can break passages of scripture out and start to work with what is actually said. When we need this very much, we need the obedience of faith. We need people who don't know Jesus Christ to come to an obedience of gospel-believing faith. We need Christians to quit thinking that they don't really holiness is not really an option. I was talking to someone last was it last night, yesterday, something. I was talking about holiness and they said, well, really, it's really not, not in this age. What? The Lord expects holiness in this age. Be ye holy as I am holy. So if we want, if we want to find this, if we want bowing the knee, the obedience of faith, the command of our Lord, the mystery hidden for ages, and the gospel preached by the Apostle Paul, if that's a religion that you've decided that's the true religion, those are the things that are the centerpiece of you coming to it and being strengthened that God may be glorified in your life. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful. Your son did so much for us. Lord, we ask that we would be faithful to him and do much for his kingdom and we'd be a credit to it and be strengthened in our own lives. In your Son's name, amen.